Steve Vines, good morning to you. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Hello, good morning, and bo- Okay. <laughs> yes, yes. I, I'm like most of the listeners who are here in Hong Kong. What, We're sleep? All, no, no, no. Our listeners are never sleep. They never sleep. Both of them. Um, no, they're they're but they're like me. They're absolutely uh, mortified yeah. at not being in Beijing at the moment they for are. the meetings of the NPC, CC, PC, W, and also XYZ. And, I mean, this, of course, is an extremely exciting event. I know that because it's covered in the newspapers. And so it's on the radio. And it's on the radio, so it must be. And we're learning all sorts of exciting things. We hear from Mr Zhang Jijang, who's... Um, in fact, he's no less than the Zhang chairman. Zhang <laughs> it, it rhymes, doesn't it? It's no less than the MPC chairman, and he's come up with some fabulous ideas. One is that, that Hong Kong people need to find specific solutions to problems. Right. I always thought before today, but I, I, I now realise that's wrong, that what we were looking for was unspecific solutions to problems, but no, no, apparently specific, specific solutions. Specific solutions to unspecific problems. Yep, yeah, and then we've got the, um, the, the, the thrilling prospect that Hong Kong people should... Uh, what does it say here? I'm just reading Shut this. up, I believe. Shut <laughs> up. Well, there's the shut up. But when they're not shutting up, they should unleash positive energy. Mm. Now, that's good. That's good. Unleashing unleashing positive energy. They've been doing that in your long for the past two weekends. <laughs> no, I know you can't, Adam and Eva. You really can't. But the, the, the fact of the matter is that, you know, all of these declarations... I mean, there was a surprise declaration that the central government supported Lan Chongying. I mean, that was, you know, on a par with a, a, a declaration from the Vatican that the Pope is indeed Catholic. And None they us, do sell cheeseburgers at McDonald's. They do sell cheeseburgers at McDonald's and, Rubbish, it, is, and it is cold in winter. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I, I think we're covering the field quite comprehensively It's here. good stuff, this, isn't it? But what you want to know... I do. What you want to know is what will be the upshot of this exciting, momentous, free-flowing debate that's going on in Beijing... And I'm saying, well, you know, you never know, because, of course, it's, it's a democratic assembly and you never know the outcome. But I think what you may just find, and I'm taking a wild guess here, mm-hmm. is that the MPC delegates find that the central government's policy is actually pretty good. Very good. That the economy is growing, that law and order is being preserved, that China's place in the world is being enhanced by the second. And... Um, Oh, sorry, I've just gone to sleep. Um, and, and other things. Well, That's all going to happen. And other things. Meanwhile, meanwhile, nationalinterest.org has put out a very interesting article called Doomsday, Preparing for China's Collapse. Yeah, this is a very... Could be nonsense, by the it, way. It could it? indeed be nonsense. This is a big thing that's alighted... Or can you say that? Yes, you can. A lit, a lit, <laughs> a lit, a lit. The, the the blogosphere, and I must say, even even my funny little mailbox has been somewhat crammed with this stuff. And there is a lot of discussion about whether the shelf life of the Chinese Communist Party has expired or not. Well, the thing is that the, the thing I'm talking about was was inspired by a Wall Street Journal. Uh, Report, article by yeah. Michael Orslin, and he says, "I can't give you a date when it will fall, but China's Communist Party has entered its end game." No word mincing there. Well, no. Uh, and, I mean, the, the, the backdrop to that is that, that history does show us that dictatorships just don't last as well, long as, as, as democratic systems, you know. that The thousand-year Reich lasted, you know, no more than three decades. Uh, in fact, less than three decades. Um, you know, the Soviet Union that was going to rule Eastern Europe forever and ever lasted Ah, for, but that's different. 
of course it's different, they weren't Chinese. I do understand that, and I, I do stand corrected. Thank you for that correction. Good. Um, but, but, you know, the simple fact of the matter is that you, you're in a losing game if you want to predict when these dictatorships will collapse. Interesting they're writing about it, though. It's interesting that they're writing about it. It's interesting that they're writing about it now. And, of course, one of the things that you are seeing in Beijing and nobody except for a total idiot will will deny this, is there is clearly some level of turmoil there because you don't have this degree of arrests and roundups of very prominent people and, of course, lesser people who are affected by the arrests up at the top of the tree. You don't get all of that yeah. unless something is going on. Now, yep. it's supposed to be the anti-corruption campaign and... <clears throat> Uh, I was first of all shocked. Well, it's to, an anti-corruption well, campaign. Well, I was quite shocked to learn there was corruption in the mainland, but apparently there is, and apparently it's being cracked down upon. But um, if you think that in this campaign every single corrupt official in China is going to be rounded up, you also think that Tuesdays occur every Thursday. Well, we've said a couple of things on this programme in jest, but seriously... One of them is, do you seriously think the nearer we get to 2047 that there's any hope of, you know, 50 years, etc., of, of um, democracy here? It just, it's just logic. The math doesn't work out. And the other one is, who says these guys are going to be running the show at 2047? You may, you may laugh, but... Exactly. I mean, I, uh, you, you know, it's always, as, as the greatest people say, it's always better to judge the future with hindsight. But this is a fact. But, I mean, but, we, but we do we not don't we know. Do not we know. don't know. And we don't know any of those things. But we do know certain historical trends. One is the instability of dictatorships and their fragile existence beyond a very strong exterior. Which is why when they collapse, they collapse so very quickly. Boom. They don't sort of... There's not a sort of little trickle down and then they... they, they Khmer Rouge, great example. Well, that that was also accompanied by uh, foreign intervention in the war. But, you know, all of these things, all of these things are possible. I mean, obviously, nobody really wants a big onset of chaos on the mainland. I mean, that that would be quite appalling. But, you know, what, what is Plan B? What is I Plan don't B? Think there is a plan and if you B. want to take this one even well, further, incidentally, what is Plan B for, for Hong, Hong Kong? Kong? That's yes, what I was going to yeah, say. Yeah. I mean, speculate. What would it be? I'll have it back. Well, I, doubt that I, I don't. I, I don't think. Besides, despite these idiots wandering around you long with, with old colonial flags, which I think is just stupid. It just, it's just illogical. But, right, but, but anyway, I mean, that's clearly you're, you're not going to turn that particular clock back. But the idea of a more federated China, that's certainly a possibility. The idea, and this is absolutely sacrilege, so you didn't hear it here, of some sort of division of the mainland into its very large constituent parts, is it, it can't be dismissed. Mainly it can't be dismissed because that's exactly what has happened in Chinese history. We're not talking about something which is unprecedented. Well, you know what, Steve? In fact, unification of the whole of China is, is unusual, is, is more unusual than, than the disparate parts of the country being split up. I'm just beginning to think that a lot of the things we've said in here, taking the mick, could be true. What if Hong Kong becomes the root of the stream for the future of China? Well, that's incidentally one of the Source reasons of the why, yeah. why there is so much attention paid to Hong Kong on the mainland. Because after all, Hong Kong accounts for zero point whatever it is of, of China's landmass. It certainly isn't the most important part of China. But because it's an international centre, because there's a lot of focus on the affairs of Hong Kong, totally disproportionate to its size, yeah. the, the, the leadership in Beijing is always 
perpetually worried that Hong Kong will set precedents and examples that may or you know, be emulated in the rest of the country. And they're very worried about that. And talking about sources of streams, what about all this yeah. hoo-ha that's happening in the New Territories at the moment, these, these protests and uh, the, the aggro and the scuffle that's going on about parallel traders? That's the kind of thing in history that's been the absolute root of something that became massive. I'm not yeah, saying it's I going mean, to. but I, Yeah, you know, I, I, on the one hand, I, I always feel very uncomfortable when I see this, not least no, not, because it seems to me... It's not that, good, but... No, 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 but what I'm saying is it seems to me that you've got two sets of victims the people who come across the border in search of powdered milk or, or whatever it is by the ton uh, by the ton are doing so not because they want to make have the inconvenience of a trip to hong kong but because they simply can't get secure supplies of that, that did we did across talk about the, we did talk about that's it. why and they the people trust... who are protesting against them mm. let's face it the wealthiest people in hong kong don't live in yun long they don't live in Malu Soy and all these places. So they are the people, both sides are affected by a rotten system that isn't working. And it's unfortunate that they decide to take it out on themselves. But, you know, could this be a trigger for something else? I think it could be, yes. What went down in Beijing in 1989, I believe, started as something quite small, a bit of aggro amongst students in a, in a, in a place sort of... Well, I mean, it started as, 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 as a, 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 if I'm not greatly mistaken, as students um, um, celebrating the anniversary of Hu Yaobang's death. Okay. Uh, you know, that nobody knew... Something innocuous. Well, so, well, fairly innocuous. Well, it was fairly innocuous in the sense that he, after all, was a Communist Party leader. They weren't mourning the death of some famous dissident. They were mourning somebody who they thought was liberal within the regime. And, you know, their, their view was that um, this should be commemorated in a way that the official media and the other parts of the state apparatus weren't commemorating it. And as we know... <laughs> unforeseen consequences followed. Yeah. These collapses you're talking about, everything has to start somewhere and what I'm getting at is more often than not it's something quite normal, it could be an argument somewhere and then boom, the next thing you know yeah, history is made. Yeah, I, uh, you know who who knew like the First World War. For I, instance. I was going to say, I was just <laughs> small issues. It's funny, great minds think alike, and, so do, small, and so do small minds. Um, I was just, I was just about to say one word. One word sums that up: yeah. Sarajevo. Yeah, you, yes. touch, you touch my mate, I'll beat you up. Yeah. Hang on, I'll beat you Hang up. On, if you... And, and I'll tell you what, we'll have a world war. One, and then right? that's it. But this is this is human nature. This yeah. is this is a fact, and and I suppose history isn't neat. That's that's the bottom line it's here. It really not. ain't neat. Mm. And and all these people who are tell us, you know. Well, I'm sitting here and I can tell you that in uh, 2047, the following will definitely happen. I would have them taken out and shot because they're a danger to themselves and everybody else. So what causes these... That's my liberal view, incidentally. That's very good, yes. actually. These immense breakdowns, let's, let's just look at it. The, the, the sentiment, the vibe of, of these um, controlling regimes, is it just the plethora of rules? Is it the un unwavering... What's the deal? Well, I think that y you start at... Point one, and point one is that their main, their main overwhelming preoccupation is remaining control. in power yeah. and control, and they fear that anything that um, presents a challenge to their authority and therefore a challenge to their long liberty is the number one priority to deal with. Then they start to look at other things. They they look at say the economy. Well, you know, even, even the dumbest regime knows. That if you if if everybody in the country they're ruling is in a state of economic depression and is suffering um, 
in their livelihoods, they're very unlikely to be able to control things forever. So they have to look after that, and then they have to look after this, and then they have to look after everything else. Yes. Yeah, it's a big job. So where do you see Hong Kong going in terms of big picture here? I mean, this is the sort of thing well, novels are written about. You it know is, I mean? and I, I think the, the unfortunate... That the unfortunate position at the moment in Hong Kong is that that you have a leadership who who basically say we're waiting for orders from Beijing. We 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 don't have ideas of our own. We're waiting to be told what to do. You have an increasingly restive population in Hong Kong, mm-hmm. and then you have the the in the middle of all that, as you always have, the majority of people who aren't actively engaged in politics but feel uneasy about what is swirling around them. And that unease, when it turns, can either turn into positive action, which would be something the government doesn't want to do, or it can turn into a sort of sullen fatalism. But that never lasts that long, you know. All right, enough of this sensible talk. Let's get back to some dirt in Hong Kong. (laughs) Now... Do you reckon the appointment of Nicholas Yang as the government's top advisor on innovation and technology is another FU from Cyril? I I don't think there's any other way of describing it. I mean, let's just remind everybody the chronology of what happened here. He goes to LegCo, or one of the minions goes to LegCo, and says, uh, we need a technology bureau, mainly because we need a technology bureau. And they say, oh, well, anyway, we're filibustering everything the government uh, wants. But by the way, why do you need a a technology bureau? How dare you ask? We've already told you we need a technology bureau. Anyway, the net result is they don't get the funding for it. So I make my own. So I'm going to make my own. But, but, I mean, this is is not just toys out of the pram. This is pushing the pram down a slope. Because normally when you you, you throw the toys out of the pram, as any self-respecting baby who's listening to this show will know, (laughs) um, they land on the floor and mummy or daddy goes and picks them up and puts them back in the pram again. Now, in this case, what's happening is he says, well, I can't get my way. I'm very unhappy and I'm I'm appointing the person I was going to appoint to um, head this bureau and I'm going to put him on Exco and he's going to be my personal advisor and he's not going to be, um, he's not actually going to have a proper role. He's not actually going to have a bureau to run. So I'm going to do this, but uh, um, uh, uh, the details are um, uh, uh, uh. Do still in with Steve Vines. Uh, we've got a few more minutes, of course, up until about ten two. I have got a correspondence here from Frank, who brings up a very good point. He says, "Remember, we had an IT bureau, and they scrapped it, put under commerce. Sinjin Kai was the Legco representative. If unneeded, why bring it back?" Not a bad point, is it? Um, it's nice to have people with good historical memories to remind us uh, of past follies. I mean, it, 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 this is slightly worrying, uh, and I always say slightly when I mean very, um, worrying on two levels. One is, what actually will this thing do? Um, what well, exactly? Fr- uh, you know, Tom.com. I mean, you, you know, that one of the things that Nicholas Yang is supposed to um, be touting as his great experience for doing this job is that he's involved in Cyberport. Well, we all know what Cyberport is. It's a property development. I mean, you know, give me a break. No one is seriously still suggesting that Cyberport has catapulted Hong Kong into the, into the first ranks 
of um, either technological or scientific development because that particular line of argument is, um, you know, for the fairies. But there's this angle of it. And then there's this this whole thing about do you or do you not respect Hong Kong's constitutional system? Yeah. And Hong Kong's constitutional system, as laid down in the basic law, in case anyone's still awake, um, is very clear on the fact that the Legislative Council have powers over the allocation of financial resources. Yes. Now, if you're saying that you don't like that, therefore you're going to um, uh, bypass it, as, as Lan Chong Ying has. But, of course, he's bypassing in this, this completely idiot way. He's saying, oh, well, we'll appoint this man. We're not actually going to give him any resources. We're not going to give him any executive responsibilities, but he's going to advise me. Advise me on, on um, you know, technology, science and potty training. Um, I, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm sure the latter will work. But but really, this is just just contempt for the system as it is. The system, you know, they won't play ball with me. <coughs> Therefore, why don't we... <coughs> excuse me, why don't we smash up the system? Honestly, this isn't going to... Of course it's not going to work. It's not even intended to work. Because you know from a start that... that even if they did set up the bureau, it would probably set up another cyber port. So you know, God, God help us. Ghettoisation—it's it's the kiss of death. Well, it's this idea that you have to have hubs for everything. That's what I'm that, on about. That, yeah, you know, I, I, I mean, as everybody who knows anything whatsoever about scientific development is, it never ever—and you can say this categorically—it never ever arises due to a deliberate plan. I mean, nobody in the United Sp- States planned Silicon Valley. It just didn't happen like that. It happened through, you may say, osmosis or through circumstance or whatever it is. Just happened. But, but nobody in Washington sat down and said, I tell you what, guys, we really need a, a you know, high-tech centre in, um, in my bad American accent, in, in Silicon Valley. They just didn't do it. And, and incidentally, you, you know, in, in India now, you've got this um, <coughs> enormous development of... of high-tech companies going on again uh, India of course is is a country where the government does like to have plans for everything but one of the reasons this has succeeded is that somehow slipped through the Indian bureaucracy net and they didn't actually plan it it it, it, it arose through the skill of entrepreneurs and people working in the industry who just said uh, I'll tell you what why don't we set up a factory here? Why don't we set up a lab here? Why don't we employ some of our bright people from universities there? And they they did it on their own. Despite all these stories, despite all this fact, why is there still this insistence on ghettoizing, on hubizing? I, I just wish I could understand. I wish I could understand it. I mean, well, I, I, I know that I have many friends who disagree with me on this, but this is one of the reasons why I don't like the West Kowloon cultural district because i don't see any reason whatsoever why art galleries need to be next to concert halls need to be next to um other exhibition centers or indeed the mtr (laughs) um i don't get it i absolutely don't get it you know what is what is going to be achieved there oh well it's all a bit orwellian isn't it there will be quite a lot of property development there as well i'm sure that's never come into the uh considerations of the planners so i I don't i mean i'm all in favor of spending more money on on cultural activities i have to say i'm 
big beneficiary from subsidised cultural activities in Hong Kong, so I can hardly complain about it. But I don't really think it's the number one priority. If some of that money was spent on maybe... I know this is just a stupid comment, but I'm going to say it anyway. Maybe improving the public health clinic near where I live, which is sort of down at here, is filled with elderly people every single day in very long lines. And one of hundreds. One of hundreds. There's nothing remarkable about the one which I happen to know. You can wander into anyone. You know, if, if, if some idiot thought that maybe that was a greater priority... Boy, that would be a bit remarkable, wouldn't it? Mm. I was in, it was interesting watching the budget. There wasn't so much hoo-ha at the budget. Mind you, long hair kicked up a bit and he actually had to be physically removed. Well, not for the first time. No, 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 but he was, yeah. quite, he was quite full on this time because his big thing is the elderly. And when you're talking about doshing out money for the film industry uh, and the fashion industry, which are very, very, you know, cool lovely, industries, lovely. and you're still leaving the old fellas wanting, what's, yeah. where's the... Where, where is that? And, and you know... Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm in business myself. If somebody was to offer me a wad of notes, I'd say thank you very much. Of course but you would. Frankly, I can't see any justification for it whatsoever. The fact of the matter is that if you have a fashion product that is good, the market, I think, by and large, will, will, will let you know about it by buying it. Well, it's trying to ghettoise these industries again. Yeah. You know, these get yeah. some great designers in Hong Kong. There, there was are. a whole bunch of them on um, on Backchat this morning saying some pretty sensible things. Yeah. Um, they happen. They're great. They're talented. They're arty. They're skillful. They're successful. They don't need to be organised into little rows. They don't. And, and you know, the sort of things that, that, that maybe would give them a lift, you know, um, facilitating exhibitions and what have you, these aren't things that need 50 million bucks. They really aren't. This is just nonsense. Quite interesting. One of the guests on Backchat this morning got totally and utterly stuck into the Trade Development Council. <laughs> oh, that's too easy. She said they just that's, left her high and dry. That's just too easy. I mean, that's that's another total... I mean, it's up there with the Hong Kong Tourism uh, Bureau Association... Or whatever it's called. It's called. This week. <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, talk about money down the drain. I've actually God. heard him say this in front of a live audience with a very, very important local official. He said it was cracking, wasn't it? Anyway, yeah, we move on. <laughs> Shall we move on and say something nice about Hong Kong? I think the time has come. Because I've been reading this Mercer survey... Oh, yeah. Mercer, apparently, an outfit that, that, that help expatriates get employed in exotic locations, you know, really exciting places like, oh, yes, the city that has won their accolade of being the top city for, for expatriates to go and live apparently is, no, you didn't guess, Vienna. And why not? Have they been to Vienna? <laughs> <laughs> Very cultural, nice cakes. I, they have lovely cakes, and I'm second to none in, in my admiration of Sachertorte, which indeed is the speciality of Vienna. But I, I happened to have visited Vienna quite frequently when I was covering energy, because OPEC has its headquarters there. And the word dull doesn't even comprehensively start to cover it. That might not be a criteria for this. That might not be a criteria. In fact, it almost certainly isn't, because number two in the ranking, after exciting Vienna, is exciting Zurich. Boy. Oh, boy. (laughs) Oh, boy. That gets the juices flowing, doesn't it? I tell you, I've got a friend who's just moved over there, and he's flitting between Hong Kong, and and he's got some some top corporate job. The abuse emails I get about the place are phenomenal. It makes Hong Kong look like Chuck E. Cheese. Well, Hong Kong, Hong Kong in this survey rates as 70th. 70th. 7-0. I mean, honestly, 
you know, you, you, you could fall asleep and never wake up again in Zurich and you, you, you'd, you'd be in exactly the same state if you were awake. Uh, number three is Auckland. A perfectly nice city. I've got nothing against Auckland. I've been there. It, 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 it's full of very pleasant people and blah, blah, blah. But vibe, dynamic, interesting. None of those adjectives, to yeah, my mind, are applicable. They're probably talking about families. I mean, we always say Singapore, you know, nice for a visit, but families love living there, gardens, kids, well, the whole... I, maybe they, that's wonder, their thing. Well, I wonder. I mean, you know, I, I, I frankly don't see the problem for families living in 70-ranked Hong Kong, or, 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 or indeed... Well, air quality, etc. You know, I, I know, you know, all, all, that, I know all that stuff, but 70th, you know, think what... what, 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 what well, you think it should they, be higher? Do you think it should be I higher? I do think it should be higher. Because, because you've got the negatives, you've got all the things that you're talking about, lack of space, bad air quality, but, you know, just for, for convenience, for speed of getting things done, public um, transport infrastructure, Hong Kong is very hot on this, but most important is that it keeps you awake. I want to live in a city where I don't uh, open the curtains and think, oh, my God... I'm going to be depressed just walking on the streets because nothing's going to be happening. Well, let's have a look at some more of these. I mean, the top five is Vienna, Zurich, Auckland, Munich and Vancouver. <laughs> so these are all places with beautiful, clean air, lovely scenery. Yes, and dull as dishwater. Yes, I, didn't ha- I never had you Munich. down as such a raver. I, I, you know, give me a break. <laughs> I, I, it so happens I've been to all of these cities and I wouldn't, I wouldn't rate them up the top of any tree. I mean, there's nothing wrong with them. I don't want to be rude about them, but I just <laughs> don't think they're... The, I just, definitely don't think I'd like to live in any of them. It goes on to talk about Asian cities. 26 Singapore, 44 Tokyo, 70 Hong Kong, 83 Taipei. Bit of a surprise, that one. I would say so. And Shanghai 101. Taipei's a really funky place. I don't know. I mean, I I, just... You know, I mean, if if the choices between Taipei and Zurich, I, I wouldn't hesitate for one moment well there is some wonderful countryside there too there's wonderful countryside there's great food yeah what about great food isn't that count <laughs> i don't know perhaps they like maybe, maybe the good people at mercer don't eat because that's very low, i do, I do get the impression though it's it's the sort of it well, is it is the family values stuff dull, dull is best yeah because but, but i mean I, I don't think you you need to say that that people who are guilty of having families which incidentally is quite a lot of people are synonymous with people who are guilty of being dull. I just don't think... I mean, I I have quite a number of friends who moved from Hong Kong precisely for this thing. They said, oh, they didn't want their kids growing up here in the smog. They didn't want... Which is um, very fair. They, they, they wanted more space. They wanted a house with a garden. But a very large number of them came back to Hong Kong. They said, well, I, I can think of one particular friend of mine who moved to Singapore and said... I thought I was going to die if I stayed there any longer. What, bored, bored out of my mind, and you know it's true. We had a, he said we had a bigger house. Um, I know lots of people, uh, etc., etc., et and businesses. But, but I just can't live there. It's yeah. just Dullsville uh, times seven. 